informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, July 24th, the Feast of St. Bridget of Sweden. St. Bridget of Sweden. Actually, her feast day was yesterday, to be honest. But I want to talk about her today. She was born in 1303 of noble birth. She was of royal blood in Sweden. Yeah, that's right. St. Bridget of Sweden, not to be confused with St. Bridget of Ireland. Very different. Don't get them confused. She was married to Prince Ulfo of Nursia in 1316 in obedience to her father. She was the mother of eight children, including St. Catherine of Sweden. Imagine being the mother of a saint. That's my goal. My kids being saints, that is definitely my goal. She ended up becoming a widow after Prince Ulfo's death in 1344. After her husband's death, she dedicated her life to religion. And she was so holy that she began to receive visions and created the devotion to Our Lady of Sorrow. That is not created, but it became what it is today under St. Bridget. And from there, after her death, after the death of her husband, she founded the Brigentines, or the Order of the Most Holy Savior, in 1345. Now, it was well known that during her marriage, she had a really bad temperament. She was had a propensity to irritation and explosions. She would just be furious, go off the handle. And she recognized that and started to learn to temper herself. She had to learn to control her temperament. And she was eventually able to subdue her passions by fasting, pilgrimages, and willful suffering. But then... After the death of her husband and after her progress in the spiritual life, she had a moment where it seemed as though all of her works were gone because one day she woke up and she realized all of that temperament that she had that she had uh, suppressed and put down had risen up again within her. And she was very irritated and very angry and very prone to explosions yet again. And she thought that God was punishing her. But yet, she said, instead of be despairing, she decided, you know what? I am going to start over from scratch and re-chastise myself and learn the virtues again. And what was found out was this was a test from Almighty God. It was a trial to see how she would react. Would she become despondent or would she trust in our Lord? And it made her... Li- advanced leap and bounds wow. in the spiritual life and made her one of the greatest spiritual masters. St. Bridget of Sweden, pray for us. Joining us right now is our good friend, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Did my wife tell you to say that about the temper and all that stuff? I mean, uh, <laughs> is it something to do with your, you, with your daughter? Uh, did she tell you to mention that to me? <laughs> I don't certainly don't have a problem. I was, I uh, I was winking at you the whole time. I don't know if you noticed. I was like, uh, Rudy, uh, this is temper. you we're talking about mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. Um, you named your daughter Bridget, right? After Bridget of Sweden? No, I named my daughter after St. Bridget of Ireland. Oh! Yeah, so. <laughs> okay, completely different. Yeah, completely different, different saint. I always get Bridget of Ireland and Bridget of Sweden confused. It's like Sweden, Ireland, they're the same place, right? Yeah, I would say so. Maybe maybe <laughs> in Sweden it's it's more like Bridget, Bridget of Sweden. I think that's Bridget. what it is. I think it's Bridget versus Bridget. Bridget. I think Bridget. that's probably I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. <laughs> but it was really interesting. I I didn't know that about St. Bridget. I was uh, very intrigued by 
these uh these things that I learned about her today. So yeah, me too. Hopefully that was some new new things. I feel cut to the heart. I mean, all jokes aside, seriously, because I do have a temper sometimes. Most of the time, I'm I'm, I'm downplaying it. Sometimes, sometimes, no, like Just, most not, of the time, not all I have the time. A not all the time. <laughs> Ask my wife. Well, it's interesting but, uh, because in the the biography, it actually was talking about how her husband also had a bad temper and it oh, like fed yeah. on each other and oh, it made yeah. it worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a uh, something to, to keep in mind. We have well, to chastise ourselves. Absolutely, and I want my kids to be saints too. That's amazing. I mean, that gives me hope. You know. Amen. Amen. Now I want to say good morning to Catholic Spirit Radio. Howdy, howdy, up in Illinois. So praise Jan. be to God. I'm saying howdy to those in Illinois because uh, they don't know that word. You know, they they're like, You're, what what is y'all? What is what is howdy? Hmm? Hmm? Is, do Texans actually talk like that? The answer is yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> and before we jump in further, Sammy Rodriguez Jr., the president of the Guadalupe Radio Network, and wants to share an inspiring and encouraging message with you during these trying times. So look out for a letter from Sammy in the coming days. It will reveal valuable insights for daily growth. And if you don't receive it, please reach out to Sammy. Go to GRN or email grnonline at grnonline.com. That's grnonline at grnonline.com, and he will gladly send you one. And if you already got one, let me know. I'd be very curious to know what you think about the letter. And uh, if you didn't get one, then make sure you email Sammy. So make sure he gets that to you. All right, let's jump in. There are a lot of things that are going on in the news. Here's a couple things to look forward to. Did you know that, that there's a legal battle going on over frozen embryos or fertilized eggs? The, the question of the board is... Who owns frozen embryos? That's very, very concerning. At 30 past the hour, Bishop Strickland speaks out. Did you hear what Bishop Strickland had to say about the apostolic visitation? He kind of spoke out about that recently, so we're going to cover that. And Oh, yeah, before I forget, at 45 past the hour, did you hear Fox supports the Satanic Church? Yikes. Um, This is why we listen to Catholic radio and not Fox or CNN or anything like that. Catholic radio is the way to go. And in the next hour, the Christian imperative for community. Community is important. We need it. So all this coming up today. And as always, we have our fear and trembling game show with a prize from our dear friends, Nick and Nelia. You're not going to want to miss this. This is a Real, I got to say, I think this is the coolest prize we've ever given away, to be honest. I yeah, really I like think so it. Too. So stay tuned for that. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to pray for whatever it is that you have going on in your life, for your friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. Um, and benefactors, that means Nick and Neely as well. Uh, we're in for your intentions. Whatever you have going on this week, we're praying for that. In a special way, we pray for the ending of child trafficking and the sexual abuse of children during the month of July In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood, offer to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death, and the deliverance of that soul in purgatory which is nearest heaven, I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are the headlines you need to know this morning. 
This one is from Catholic News Agency, and they say, Just announced. See who's speaking at the National Eucharistic Congress in 2024. The U.S. Bishop's National Eucharistic Revival has just announced 17 speakers to be featured at the National Eucharistic Congress at an NFL stadium next July. The Congress will have three Masters of Ceremonies, including Montes Alvarado, President and Chief Operating Officer of EWTN News, as well as other familiar faces like Father Mike Schmitz. Breitbart News reports belief in existence of hell, the devil, down to new lows. A Gallup News poll found that the percentage of Americans who believe in five, quote, religious entities, unquote, that's uh, God, angels, heaven, and the devil, are down to new lows. The poll has been done five times since 2001, showing worse numbers with each consecutive poll. Maybe they should tune into the Guadalupe Radio Network on Saturdays and listen to the spirit world. Catholic Vote reports Catholic Senator solicits taxpayer funding for LGBT org promoting youth drag shows. Senator Bob Casey from Philadelphia, a self-professed Catholic, requested $1 million in federal taxpayer funding for Philadelphia LGBT organizations that had hosted youth drag shows and advanced communist events. Early in his tenure, Casey identified himself as pro-life and supportive of the traditional definition of marriage. He's a son of late Pennsylvania Governor Bob Casey Sr., a pro-life icon. And finally, the Washington Examiner reports Biden official dismisses low polling about economy, saying, moving in the right direction. The chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, Jared Bernstein, brushed off recent low economy approval ratings, saying that it would take a while for American sentiments to catch up. Say that to my pocketbook. He says President Joe Biden's economic agenda is helping families achieve good economic health, brushing off a poll in May that recorded 48 percent of registered voters who said Biden's economic policies are hurting their families. And those were breaking news and stories for now. Keep it dialed on Catholic Drive Time for more. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 42. A very interesting situation that's happening with here, What where the Pharisees are saying Give us more miracles. And what does our Lord tell us? He says, no. Uh, So what happens here in verse 38? It says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, master, we would see a sign from thee. Now it's very interesting because our Lord has already done signs. If you've seen, we're in Matthew 12 already. Our Lord has gone around and he's done miracle after miracle in town after town. His reputation has preceded him. And yet they ask For a sign. So what happens in verse 39, he says, who answering said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh a sign and a sign shall not be given, but the sign of Jonas, the prophet. Now, this is important to keep in mind, because what is the sign of Jonas? That is the belly of the well. This is a prefigurement of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, because when our Lord died, He went into the belly of the earth, and he stayed there for three days. And on the third day, he rose again in the same way that Jonas was spewed from the mouth of the fish and went to preach to Nineveh. Now, it's also important to keep in mind that Cornelius Alapide, quoting St. Jerome, says that tacitly, therefore, they scoff at Christ's miracles done on earth as though they were tokens of satanic influence, and they tempt Christ that he may falsely accuse him. But although he had shown such sign in heaven, they would immediately have sought a subterfuge and would have required some other sign. For this is the disposition of all curious and cavailing persons, especially infidels and heretics. This is important to keep in mind because how many people today 
would say, if God only give me a sign, if God just showed me in the sky that he was real, then I would believe. And yet, would they? When an atheist is asked, and this happens all the time, what miracle would convince you? They would say something like, well, if God just appeared in the sky and spoke to me directly and made it clear to everybody that it was real and told me, you have to believe in me, then I would believe. And I'm thinking, would you? Or would you be more likely to say, oh, man, I was on a muzz weird trip right there. I had a crazy delusion. Oh, man, I must have ate something bad yesterday. They more likely would still not believe because an unbelieving generation for those that have the disposition of all curious and cavailing people, they cannot be convinced. And giving them miracles is casting pearls at swine, and so our Lord will not do it. Now, an adulterous generation is here referring back to Ezekiel, where those who commit idolatry are considered an adulterous generation. And so what can we call ourselves in America but an adulterous generation who seeks mammon over God, who seeks money over God, who seeks human respect over God, we have made an idol of the world, and so yet we are an adulterous generation. Now, the Jews did not expect a humble and poor Messiah. Now, this was something that they were definitely not expecting to happen. They were looking for a rich and glorious Messiah, and so they did not, they rejected him at first. But yet, they beheld Christ at the resurrection, the ascension, and the mission of the Holy Ghost. And then, our Lord was seen in his rich and glorious state. And so they should have accepted him. And yet we did not see this. But our Lord prophesied that this was going to happen. He said, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then ye shall know that I am he. For I shall rise gloriously from the cross and death. And so he knew this was going to happen. And he prophesied that it would be such. And this is important to keep in mind. And here, and the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with the generations and shall condemn it. Because they did penance in the preaching of Jonas and beheld a greater than Jonas is here. This is very important to keep in mind because Nineveh, they repented. And yet they saw no miracles. Jonah gave them no miracles, but they just testified to the truth and the Ninevites converted. But yet the Jews who were given so many miracles and testifying the truth from God himself rejected him and crucified him. And thus, in verse 42, the queen of the south shall rise in judgment and the end of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and be held to greater than Solomon here. Who is greater than Solomon? Oh, well, our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be right back. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, since every religion claims to be true, well, then none of them are true? Even though this is not a very intelligent comment, it does not prevent people from saying it. G.K. Chesterton says probably one of the creeds is right and the others are wrong. Logically, most of the views must be wrong. But there's nothing logical to the idea that all must be wrong. Think about betting on a horse. 
Many people bet on the wrong horse, but some bet on the right horse. And sometimes even the favorite has been known to come in first. But that's the point. Something comes in first. The fact that there are many beliefs does not destroy the fact that there is one well-founded belief. So don't say that the variety of beliefs prevents you from accepting any beliefs. It's not logical. And it's not a very good way to bet, either. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, it's really interesting. They saw this story, and, you know, in one sense, you know, I'm just, like, so fed up with, like, celebrities. I just want to never talk about celebrities ever again. But they, uh, yet they have such cultural influence that you just have to talk about them. Especially when their life decisions affects the rest of the world. Because here is this story from Tim Cast News. In light of her divorce, a look back on Sofia Vergara's legal battle over frozen embryos. Now, I don't, honestly don't even know who this is, if I'm being completely honest. I, I don't keep up with Hollywood, Hollywood <laughs> celebrities. So I see this person, I'm like, is this a famous person? I don't know. Maybe she's a D-list actor. I don't know. Maybe people know who she is. I don't know. But actress Sofia Vergara and her husband, Joe Man, Man, Manjanello, are divorcing after seven years of marriage. Vergara's previous split with Nick Loeb, her ex-fiance, was marred by a public battle over frozen embryos. Now, question. Y'all had embryos made when y'all were engaged? That's weird. Like, first of all, obviously we don't endorse IVF at all in freezing your embryos. Not a good idea. Bad. But it's also weird that she did it with her ex-fiance. They weren't married? That's That's strange. We have blurred the the standards of dating of courtship of engagement of marriage and kind of just smush them together and there's no distinction between any of them they're just cool photo opportunities uh, being engaged as a photo op being married as a photo op but it doesn't mean anything people have marriage rights when they're engaged have marriage rights when they're dating they do all sorts of ridiculous things there needs to be a clear delineation between the different modes of when someone is engaged, dating, courting, married. These have to be distinguished. They're not the same thing. This is very important. Um, however, obviously, they shouldn't be doing this even if they were married. Now, it was marred by a public battle over frozen embryos that they had created together. Loeb, hoping to reconcile a friendship with Vergara, wanted to have the embryos implanted. But Vergara was against the idea. From what I heard, I was looking into the story, and from what I heard, Loeb is allegedly pro-life, and so he doesn't want them, the, his children to be killed, and so he's fighting to save his kids. But it's like, dude, why did you do this to begin with? So it's, it's a big, it's, I, I understand the sentiment, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to this man trying to correct his mistake, but gee whiz, this is a mistake that is... That is like has eternal consequences. This is wild. And 2014, after calling off their engagement, the couple faced a decision of what to do with the frozen embryos that they had created with the fertility doctor. Loeb argued in an opinion piece that the embryos should have a right to life, and he filed a complaint to gain custody of them. The legal dispute lasted for seven years, and at one point, Loeb filed in Louisiana, which recognizes embryonic rights. 
this is absurd. This this absurdity is just goes further and further. Uh, to think about this for a second, there was a story a few months ago about a mother who gave birth to a child older than them because they took a frozen embryo and implanted it in her. And so the child had been frozen for like 20, like eight years or 30 years, something like that. Yeah, and the know, woman is like 25. That's what I was just thinking. I was thinking, man, these kids are, can you even say it's their first birthday? You know, because they're know. not, we don't know that for sure. You know, I'm not even, I'm not even trying to be funny here. I think it's just these kids, they're literally on ice Yeah, for, for years. This is an abomination of science. It really is. It really is. And you, I think of um, like Captain America being frozen on ice, except they, they have no consciousness. Like they, they have no brain yet. They, had, they don't have experiences. And it's like, what kind of like, – that can't be good for these children. No. It's, it's so wicked what people are doing to these children. Now, ultimately, as you would expect, because um, this is happening in Los Angeles, California, the L.A. Superior Court ruled in Vergara's favor, stating that the contract she and Loeb signed was valid, and he could not move forward with the surrogate without her consent. Loeb later filed a lawsuit against the fertility clinic, claiming it failed to inform them about what would happen to the embryos in the event of a breakup. Yikes. So. I'm just questioning why, in the first place, they would even do something like this, right? And the only thing that comes to mind, Adrian, is vanity. Mm-hmm. These celebrities, they live off of their physical appearance most of the time, right? And so I'm just thinking, why in the world, what kind of circumstance would you have to be in where you would have to even go through with this? And I'm thinking, well, maybe she doesn't want to be pregnant, so That's she wants to go through a surrogate. That's what it is. And so it boils down to these children are now suffering on ice. They've been created in an egregious way, not not in standards, not in any way, shape, or form the way that God intended us to have our, our human sexuality be used to bring forth life because of a, a vanity thing. Because she doesn't want to look pregnant. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to she doesn't want to receive the 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 consequence of being pregnant. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, your body does decay, but beauty fades. And now we're dealing with this eternal consequence here for these children. It's absurd. You know, it's interesting. My this on this last Saturday, my um, my grandmother's brother-in-law had a birthday party. So me and my sisters went to go to celebrate, and it was his ninety-fifth birthday party. Wow! Yeah, isn't that awesome? And man, he he can walk. Like he moves around. Like he's like and is like he's eighty years old. It's really impressive, actually. I'm very, very impressed by how how swiftly he moves for 95 years old. That's what crazy. What if he's getting his uh, resurrected body early? Like he's, <laughs> not that good. He's getting it's to not, try it out not a little that bit. Good. He's passing through walls. However, it's really interesting because he took photos with his kids, and there was probably like mm, 10 of kids that he took pictures with, and I was it was pretty impressive. And then there were spouses, so there's like 20 people there that he that's, that's those are his kids. Wide angle and lens, big time. The wide angle on the iPhone, <laughs> and the and then he took a picture with his grandkids, and there was probably like mm, fifty people there wow. in his, with all his grandkids. Maybe maybe like thirty, maybe thirty. I'm probably exaggerating a little bit. And then he took a picture with his great grandkids and included with his great grandkids his great great grandkids, and there was just a ridiculous amount of children. Just surrounding him, and he took a picture with them, and he made the comment that, you know, like this is, this is a blessing 
This is a blessing. And I've been praying the little office of Our Lady recently, and it mentions in the little office, I think for sext, it says that the blessed is the man whose arrow, whose quiver is filled with arrows and referring to two children. Mm-hmm. And his wife is blessed by being fruitful as a vine and is very beautiful. May his table be wrapped around with a vine. And you're thinking about that. You're like, wow, like that's, this is a blessing. The children are such a blessing to have. And people hate that. And yet they want, they want the benefit of children, but they don't want to go to the suffering. And then they complain. It's like, why don't I bond with my kid that I had implanted in some other woman and took him from the woman who gave birth to him? Why can I connect with him? Because you don't love your child. You don't want to suffer for him. If you're not willing to suffer someone, suffer for someone, then you don't love them. I mean, it's simple as that. Love involves a sacrifice. And if you, there is no sacrifice required, then I suppose you don't really love them. And that's something that we have to keep in mind. It's something that we bear. And at the end of the day, I mean, this is a lose, lose, lose situation. Because Vergara makes a good point where she says, I don't want some other woman giving birth to a child with my DNA. That's weird. And in that sense, I'm like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. I wouldn't want that either. That's weird. Lady, you went through with the procedure. Yeah. <laughs> That's even weirder. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so then there's that. And then there's this guy who says he's pro-life and pro-parenthood, but then he agreed to do this. And now he's fighting to have it implanted in someone else. And so there's like a dozen. I don't know how to resolve this problem. Ethicists are good. Are Currently, they are. But they're Catholic ethicists are tearing their hair out trying to figure out what to do here. Because you have the problem of surrogacy. You have the problem of the what do you do with frozen embryos? You like We can't murder them. Yeah. We can't baptize them because there's no physical body there to baptize yet. Wait, there's... We, where do we we can't implant them in someone because that would involve IVF, which is intrinsically immoral. Uh, there's so many problems here that we don't even begin to solve them. And I suppose, and I'm just throwing this out here. I'm not saying this is the correct answer, but this is me just coming up with some kind of possible solution, uh, which eventually, praise be to God, when the church has, gets its head on their shoulders right, will tell us what the right thing to do here is. But I think technology is going to advance. We're going to have artificial wombs and we're just going to have to put them through artificial wombs. I think that's the only solution because right now I don't, I don't know what you do with these kids. Yeah. It's, I mean, not to, not even to mention the question of insolment, right? Because that's a question that always comes up. Well, do these embryos have souls? I happen to think they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the, the only position that um, is consistent would be to say that they do have souls. I mean, we don't know for certain, but the from the moment of conception, it seems as though that would be the makes the most amount of sense. It was yeah. debated for a long time when installment happens. The church never definitively declared on it, uh, but I think it makes the most amount of sense that it is at the moment of conception. And it would also make sense because Our Lady was immaculately conceived, mm-hmm. and so she it seemed as though hers was she was ensouled at the moment of conception. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it is very concerning. It would make things easier if we were to say, oh, well, they're not even humans yet. They don't have souls. Uh, right, if, yeah. If that like, would make life easier. Wash your hands about it, you know. Yeah. Wouldn't even be a problem. But Yeah, very, very concerning. Uh, this is the reason why we have to be careful about what we do, and especially in science. It's thinking of a, with the, uh, the quote from Jurassic Park 
It's uh, the, uh, the scientists were so caught up with whether or not they, they could do something, they stop, didn't stop to think whether or not they should. And this is exactly the issue we find ourselves in. Yeah, like let's, let's clone things. There's another story that we might get to later on today, which is they're cloning animals, like mm. a lot. Like we already knew they were cloning animals, but there's actually right now a massive market to, to clone pets because people love their pets so much that they're willing to spend a ridiculous amount of money extracting DNA from the host animal and then, <laughs> and then producing live embryos to be able to create clones of their pets, a fluffy. <laughs> and guess how much this costs? Oh, I'm going to say it's going to be around $20,000. That's about right. Really? That's about right, yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's a tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's got yeah. to be accessible, right? Because these guys, they don't have kids, so they, they, they definitely are investing in their dog. Mm-hmm. Twenty grand sounds reasonable for me. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, the, I mean, this is the kind of people who are like loving their animals so much that they're willing to do that, which is kind of a perverted love. Didn't you just mention idolatry? Yeah. Hmm, something or about animal idolatry. worship. <laughs> oh, uh, hmm. the, the good news is, though, the USCCB actually came out and called for stricter regulations or a moratorium on pet cloning, and which I think is good because we have to stop this because you think that they're going to stop at pets. They're going to perfect the cloning of animals, and I guarantee you, if they have not already started, they will start cloning humans. This is a big deal. Things are getting crazy in the world. The whole embryonic research is getting so bad. The cloning of humans, the commodification of humans, we are living and moving towards a transhumanist society, and we have to be prepared for the moral implications. We'll be right back. Speaking of moral implications, Bishop Strickland speaks out about the apostolic visitation coming up next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos here, uh, and I have some more breaking news and headlines for you. This one is from Catholic News Agency. The headline goes, In Rome, relic of St. Mary Magdalene's foot points the way to the Vatican. Lost to memory for centuries, the reliquary of St. Mary Magdalene was rediscovered in the year 2000. 
Popular belief says that most of her mortal remains who first saw the resurrected Christ are in various places in France, transferred there from Byzantium as a gift to the King of France from the King of Jerusalem in the 9th century. St. Mary Magdalene's body passed through Rome on the journey to France, the story goes, and bone fragments from her foot were given to the Pope. The relics, which are held to be from the foot that first entered our blessed Lord's empty tomb, were placed for veneration at the chapel at the beginning of Sant Angelo Bridge in 2017. St. Mary Magdalene, pray for us. Catholic News Agency also reports British man found not guilty of murdering his terminally ill wife after smothering her. Judges handed down the verdict on Friday in Cyprus, where 75-year-old David Hunter had been living with his wife Janice in retirement before smothering her with a pillow in December of 2021. Hunter, a former miner, had told the court that his wife begged him to end her painful suffering from blood cancer. Assisted suicide, or euthanasia, is currently illegal in Cyprus, though lawmakers last year began debating the possibility of legalizing it there. And LifeSite News reports In-N-Out Burger chain to ban employees in five states from wearing masks, a memo reveals. According to a leaked internal company email, the famous West Coast burger chain is planning to bar its employees in Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, Texas, and Utah from wearing face masks while on the job. Currently, curiously rather, not in California. The company says that only those with a valid medical note can continue obscuring their face while on the job, and failure to abide by the new dictate can result in termination of employment. Now, what say you, dear listener? Is In-N-Out better than Whataburger? Let us know. Those are all your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Back to you, Adrian. Okay, what about Culver's, though? Culver's? Culver's. I've never heard of Culver's. Culver's is super popular in Illinois. What about The Habit? The Habit? I've never heard of Habit. It's a West Coast chain. Oh, it's a West Coast chain. Okay. Well, <sighs> the, uh, my the, loss. I got to say, Culver's actually, I think, beats out In-N-Out and Whataburger. I'm going to be really? honest. Yeah. Hmm. I hate to admit it, but um, I really like Culver's. When I was in um, when I was in Chicago visiting my uh, Emily, um, who's no longer Alcaraz Esserman, Emily Esserman, um, the, she took me to Culver's, and I was like, "Whoa, this now, is actually really good." I'm kind of crazy about this. Okay, so it's not just the burger, right? I think it's a collection of a, a bunch of different things. Okay, a bunch of different variables here. So you got to factor in what kind of fries they have. In-N-Out fries are not good. No, they're not. They're not they're good. They're terrible. In fact, their burgers are good, though. As a Californian, I apologize for In-N-Out because it's terrible. Yeah. But as a Texan sad. now, I also hate Whataburger. So. Whataburger, it's, it hasn't been good since Chicago Bottom, to Dang. be honest. Yeah. Since that uh, bank in Chicago purchased uh, Whataburger, it's gone downhill. Bummer. And so I would say... Uh, In-N-Out burgers are better than Whataburger burgers, but Whataburger fries are still better than In-N-Out fries, even though In-N-Out fries, even though Whataburger fries have declined, still, still the case. Yeah, you know something about In-N-Out? It's just so clinical in there. It's like super white and clean. And yeah, it's almost it's like you're weird. in a hospital room, and then they have the masks on. So now that they have that off. I mean, yeah, thank God for that at least a little bit. Now, anyway, before we go on a whole tangent about food, I don't know why, how that happened. But the the story out here, Bishop Strickland speaks out. It's really good. I'm praise be to God. I'm very happy that Bishop Strickland has had the opportunity to to speak out in defense of himself. And because this has happened, this this apostolic visitation happened to him. I don't know if you remember, but these, they sent two bishops to go investigate Bishop Strickland, investigating the allegedly financial mismanagement, administration issues, all these things, allegedly um, everybody's thinking, yeah, right, come on. You're telling me that out of all the bishops in the United States, 
Strickland is the one with financial issues and administration issues. The one <laughs> bishop who's uh, being Catholic and promoting the truth of the gospel, and he's the one they're investigating? Okay, sure. You're telling me there's no other mismanagement of finances at any... Okay, okay, sure, that's fine. Whatever you say. But Bishop Strickland has finally come out to speak out, and I thought what his words were very encouraging. Uh, so we're going to play a little bit of that for you. Uh, could you play that clip for me? You know, people will always go after me and say, oh, this guy's just promoting himself. I'm really not. And, and I think that both of us are experience those, those sort of pushbacks and people going after us. The world tries to stop the message of Jesus Christ. Yep. But when we have our feet on the ground, and by the grace of God, <laughs> I know that I'm just a kid who grew up here in East Texas. I, I'm still that kid at heart, and I, I know that I'm, I'm no great anything. I'm no great theologian. I'm no great anything. But I am a great lover of Jesus Christ and his church. And I'm willing to go through anything I have to, to continue to proclaim that message. Because love for God's people means we share the good news of Jesus Christ. So I wanted to talk about that, Terry, because I know a lot of people are concerned. Yeah. And, you know, people are going after me and and just say, I mean, you see things on Twitter. Uh, thankfully, they're, they've done this apostolic visitation. Bishop Strickland's on the way out. Maybe they're right, but um, the reality is that I'm, I'm happy serving as a shepherd of the Diocese of Tyler. Amen. Can- Amen. Yeah, Bishop Strickland is a great lover of Jesus Christ. And I love what he said. I mean, very. you could see the humility and Bishop Strickland, and it's not a false humility either. I have no doubt in my mind that what he's saying he truly believes because he's saying, like, I'm not a great theologian. I'm not a great canon lawyer. I'm not some spiritual master. I had the privilege of driving Strickland, Bishop Strickland around um, the Diocese of Galveston, Houston, when he was here for a conference about five, six years ago, and we were chatted in the car, and the humility in Bishop Strickland was absolutely flabbergasting he very much understood who he was because I, I was asking about the latin mass because i knew that he was becoming more friendly to latin mass he I even had helped uh, attended one um and i asked him about it and he was telling me he goes yeah i mean i just learned these things like i didn't know i didn't know these things like he said my education as a catholic really began when i became bishop like i realized the gravity of my office, and I was like, I need to learn my faith. And he, and I was surprised by that because the humility to, just to say, yeah, I went through seminary, I went through all these things, and I didn't really learn everything I should have learned. Mm-hmm. And now he's seeking to learn these things. And so it's a very, very encouraging to see someone with that humility. But then they recognize, I have a mission, and I'm going to seek out that mission no matter what happens. Yeah, you know, Adrian, uh, Bishop Strickland is one of the very, very few bishops that ever even accepted our calls or invites to have him come onto the air. And, uh, and, and that just reminds me that a bishop really needs to smell like the sheep. And he made the effort to come onto the show so many times to speak to us and talk about all kinds of different issues in the church. 
Now, obviously, that's going to put him in the firing line because he's being outspoken. But that's the kind of bishop that we need now, where there's so many issues that are being brought forward in the culture today. We need bishops to speak out. I love what you said there, because this is a very common excuse that people give to our priests and to our bishops. They say, oh, well, Father can't say that. Or, oh, His Excellency can't say that because then he'll get in trouble. Oh, because then people will be mad at him. Or because then people might pull their donations. Yeah. It's like, no. Be courageous. Be courageous and trust in the Lord. Yeah. Trust that Almighty God will take care of you if you do the right thing. You may not have worldly pleasure. You may not have human respect. But God will provide. You may not have everything you need or everything you want, rather, but you'll have everything you need. God will provide. And this is something that we have to keep in mind. There is, there is no, no worldly thing that should make us desire to have world respect, to have money, to have prestige. Nothing should desire us to do that that requires us to renounce the gospel or even to keep quiet about the gospel. Because it's one thing, and this is a, a more common error, a failure to speak out, a sin of omission, when you have a responsibility. Think about this as a parent. As a parent, if you see your child doing something mortally sinful and you do not correct them, you are at fault. Because you have an obligation to correct them. You have an obligation to form your children correctly. This is also true of priests and bishops. They have an obligation to teach the truth. They don't get to say, oh, well, I didn't do anything sinful. I just didn't talk about this because I didn't want to get in trouble. No, you have an obligation to. You are sinning by not going out and committing and, and preaching the gospel. And it reminds me of our passage today from the gospel. Cornelius Lapide commenting on the end of this, talking about the Jews rejecting Christ. He actually says, therefore, let priests, religious, and others who are abundantly supplied with God's grace, take heed that they use it rightly and diligently. For otherwise, the, money, the more they have received, the more severely they will be punished. Yea, in a day of judgment, laymen will triumph over them. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. That is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? 
original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Yes, praise be to God. We should say that over and over again. Praise Amen. be to God. Why? Because uh, while we here at the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio are saying praise be to God, well, Fox News instead is uh, giving money to Satan. So that's concerning. Yeah, and you're like, Adrian, you're... You're fear-mongering. Oh, Adrian, you're exaggerating. No, they're literally giving money to the satanic church What do you mean? America. Fox is a conservative news network. I love Fox. Yeah, well, there you go. Fox doesn't love you, though. Yeah. Uh, that's a big problem because the issue is we people think that they can trust Fox News. They're like, oh, well, CNN is bad. MSNBC is bad. Therefore. But, CNN, but Fox News, though, they're the good ones. We can trust them. And the answer is no. The answer is no. The only person you can trust is me. Is Christ Jesus. Oh. <laughs> you but, can trust uh, me. I'll give you the good news all the time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'll give you the good news about um, two times at a ten show. past the hour yeah. every every morning around six a.m. Central. <laughs> but here's the story. According to Blaze Media, Fox News has an internal donation app called Fox Giving which facilitates charitable donations through Canadian-based donation management platform, Benevity. The app allows employees to make a donation to various organizations, hmm. and the company matches donations up to $1,000 to these organizations. Now, a side note, if you're a part of an organization that does this, you should um, definitely put in Guadalupe Radio Network uh, or La Promesa Foundation and send in a donation to make your company donate to the GRN as well. If I would have known, I would do that because the job that I had prior, I worked at this massive, like one of the biggest uh, e-commerce fashion companies. I was a stills photographer there, so I would shoot... Uh, the most absurdly expensive women's clothing and accessories and bags and stuff like that. I mean, I would get like tens of thousands of dollars of stuff coming in. But they started something like this and they said, yeah, just fill out wherever you want to go. We'll match it to a certain degree or whatever. And if I would have known, I would have put the GRN down. See, and here's the other thing. It would, would be they one have thing. Improved it, I wonder. That's the thing. Like, it would be one thing if it was a, like, if it was Walmart doing it then it would be kind of like okay it's still bad but it's like okay whatever uh, but it's fact that fox news claims to be conservative and claims to support christian values and claims to be pro family and yet part of what including in their in their organizations that they match is the satanic temple of america the trevor project which is an activist group that focuses on lgbt issues a planned parenthood as well as other local branches the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Southern Poverty Law Center hates Fox News, and yet they donate to them. Like these are these are voluntary. It's not like they're required by law. It'd be one thing if it was like, oh, well, legally they can't refuse to donate to any organization. That's not the case. They're a private organization. They make this free will donation, and so therefore they can have a free will rejection of these things. This is very very concerning. They are literally donating Satan. Now, this is also interesting because. All of these groups are anti-Fox News. And you're thinking, why would they do this? 
Why would they do this? It's because each coin has two faces, but it remains the same coin. Yeah, pretty much, actually. It's a, it's a good good analogy there because at the end of the day, it's all, what, controlled op? It's all false rights? Hold Fox on. News. Let me, let me go get my tinfoil Your tinfoil hat. hat. Where's Where tinfoil Beretta at? Dang it. We it's lost gone. the tinfoil Beretta. The issue here is we have false rights, and these false rights are what people, what Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira called, he said that the, there would be false rights that rise up, that kind of present themselves as the correct option as like the solution to the problem. And it's going to pull people away from the correct answer, which is the Catholic faith, Christian civilization. And they're going to direct them towards these false rights who has some things correct. And people are going to say, oh, well, this person has the answer. And they're going to follow them, and they're going to only lead them astray. Now, this can come in many different forms. This could come in, for instance, if you have a, a fascism instead of a Catholic monarchy, people might say, oh, well, at least in fascism, there is a strong leader and there is rule, there is government rule, and there's not chaos in the streets. Well, you, yes, maybe that's the case, but they're still lacking Christian civilization. They're still lacking the idea of virtues. Now, this is, it can be applied to pretty much every single thing we see. Now, Fox News is a false right because they present some conservative ideas, for instance, uh, saying we should lower our taxes, that people should be able to keep more of their money, that people should have school choice, these kind of things. But then they will say, oh, well, should people I, – I think that parents should have a say in when or if their children are, are transitioned. When, did you just assume that it's okay to transition kids? Like, that's not okay. Not that's not the right thing. So what they're doing here is the left takes two steps forward and one step back. So now they jumped over. The question is if people should be transitioned and they set the debate on how should we go about this? Should kids be allowed to do it? Wait till they're adults or maybe if the parents are approval, they can do it. Oh, the, the, the teacher shouldn't be allowed to do it, but the parents should be allowed to trans their kids. And they set the debate there. And they just bypass the whole conversation of no, this is wrong intrinsically. and We cannot allow it at all. The same thing this is what they did with divorce. This is the same thing they, they did with gay marriage. Oh, well, I don't care what people do in the privates of their home. Uh, if gay people want to have their own marriage, as long as it doesn't affect me, don't force it upon other people to do. You just jump, bypass the whole question. What is marriage? You bypass the whole point. Marriage is between a man and a woman. And if it's not, then what is marriage? They just completely sidestep the question and jump straight to the point of Oh, well, it's, the question is, how should we do it? Why should we do it? In what way, in what limited way should we do it? This is what they do over and over again. These are false rights. They seem to present themselves in opposition against the left, but really they're just slightly less, slightly, they're, they're slower progressivists, <laughs> slower revolutionaries. It's very concerning. So this story is very concerning. So instead of giving your money to Fox News, um, here's an idea. Let's go to donate to your local Catholic radio station. That would be a much, much better. Now, here's one other concerning thing about Fox News before we move on. There is the, a producer from Fox News that spoke to Blaze, and this is what they said. They said, quote, It became clear certain things weren't going to be tolerated on air anymore after Tucker was gone. Mm. We were told, lay off Dylan Mulvaney, said the former producer. Once I realized we couldn't say certain things on air anymore, 
I started to dig more into the reality of the corporate views. And this is how he discovered this information and other information like it. So very concerning situation we see there. Uh, Fox News is, in fact, censoring the people on air. Hmm. Very concerning. We might want to relook at Fox News as our trust news source. It's not to say that, uh, therefore, CNN is the right news source. It's, it is to say, therefore, all of the corporate media is no bueno. No bueno. And this is why I never include Fox News articles in my news broadcasts. There you go. There you go, folks. You can trust me. You can trust Rudy. You can trust you can tr- me. That's, you know, it's sad, though, because we really do need some major news sources like Fox to exist because GRN can't do investigative journalism. We don't have the money or the resources to send out investigative journalists across the globe to investigate for us. We we rely on the reporting of others to report what they have reported. This is why we cite other people's news sources. So it is very, very concerning that this is happening because we need them. Um, This is why I read some of CNN because they do international uh, journalism where they report facts. And you just have to know that what you're reading is going to be biased and kind of distinguish, okay, these are the facts of the case. These are their opinions. <laughs> and it's a, it's a shame that we have to do that. Yeah. And so we need more organizations to grow, Catholic organizations to grow, like LifeSite News, like Epic Times that are not Catholic, but they're more conservative, like um, Catholic Vote, things like this, who are going to be able to send out investigative journalists. Um, what is uh, O'Keefe Media Group, OMG? Um, we need groups like that to exist, then that is what we rely on. So, very concerning. Now, I think the last story I want to cover today is this story out of Texas. Yeah. Very concerning out of Texas. I hate to say bad things about Texas, and um, and I'm not going to today either. <laughs> <laughs> the Department of Justice threatens to sue Texas over dangerous migrant obstacles, reported by the Huffington Post. Now, now, what are the, we talking about? Are we talking about like, you know, like the, the reality TV show obstacle kind of things, you know, like where they're jumping over <laughs> foam pads and stuff like that? Imagine. No, it's not quite that. If the, you make the, it across, you can stay. The Huffington Post is reporting that the Department of Justice is threatening to sue Texas over controversial measures taken by Governor Greg Abbott. Now, they call it controversial, the uh, measures, but literally what they did was they're setting up borders and they're setting up obstacles for instance they put in floating orange buoys with nets and razor wire in some areas of the rio grande to make it harder for migrants to cross now many state troopers are talking about this and saying that that there has been a lot of reports of of people getting caught in it but the whole idea of it is there's a whole reason why we have razor wire on anything like obviously razor wire is not going to be pleasant for you to touch to dissuade you it's from to... even making that decision exactly if you made that decision to go up against the razor wire that's your fault exactly and this uh, the question that people bring up here is they saying okay well this is harming people but it's like yeah like you said this is is you uh, we're putting it there there's giant orange buoys there to let you know this is there they're your, trying to dissuade you from going your honor i had no idea that the mcdonald's coffee was super hot right exactly i just took a drink and it burned me and it's interesting, though, because the the problem here is that nobody cares about how many people drown in the Rio Grande attempting to cross. By dissuading people, they're actually saving lives. Yeah. Now, maybe the first round of people didn't know it was there and they got hurt. 
and maybe even some people died. I didn't see any reports of anybody dying. I'm sure they would have um, told us if someone had died. But the there has been a number of cases where people were harmed by it. Now people will know, and they'll say, okay, the, we can't go this way. And it will ultimately save lives because people are drowning by the dozens all the time in the Rio Grande River trying to get into America illegally. And so the DOJ has stated to Abbott, the state of Texas actions violate federal law, raise humanitarian concerns, present serious risk to public safety and the environment, and may interfere with federal government's ability to carry out its official duties. And that is what the, the joke is here. I, if I was Governor Abbott, I would countersue the government and say, yes, the government does not carrying out their official duties because it is the duty of the federal government to enforce the borders. It is not the Texas's, it's not Texas's responsibility, but because the federal government refuses to enforce our laws, Texas has to be involved. Otherwise, what do we do? We just say, mm, we're just going to let everything be ridiculous. We're just going to let the rule of law be thrown out the window. And so it's very good that this is happening from Texas for Governor Abbott to come out and defend the laws of our nation. It is bad that the DOJ is suing Texas, but let's hope that instead of this working out in the DOJ's favor, instead it forces the federal government to enforce our laws. Hopefully that happens. We're going to be talking a lot more about immigration in the coming weeks. I think this is a very concerning situation. The immigration situation is always concerning. But... When we come back, the Christian imperative for community. All this coming up and Fear and Trembling. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback. That Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 
celebrating 2,000 years of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Noah from St. Edward Catholic Church in Spring. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Now, I really love this story that we're about to talk about here. And the reason why that this story caught my attention, I'm going to be honest, is because it mentions the Alamo. And you remember the Alamo, of course. The Alamo. Which really caught my attention, especially because the person who wrote this article, Francisco Zuniga, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He is not from Texas. He's, I think he's from Maryland. And yet he knows about the Alamo. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. I like that. I like that. Did you, uh, just a quick question, Rudy, did you learn about the Alamo in California? Um, no. No. Maybe I did. I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I was a horrendous student. Okay. Noted. I didn't even walk on stage in middle school. And middle school is a joke. Really? So I was a terrible student. Okay. I didn't have a lot. It's by the grace of God that I made it out to be a somewhat functional human being because I had no inhibitions. Well, Nobody was the question for me. anybody outside of Texas: Are you familiar with the Alamo? And if you are, why are you familiar with the Alamo? Did you learn in school, or did I learned you it learn from Pee later from Pee Wee Herman? Big, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's possible. That's possible. That's that's the first time I learned about. And that. so the Alamo. I mean. Is a really beautiful story, even though, you know, there's kind of a um, Texas Revolution. Revolution's always bad, and the Texas Revolution is no exception. It was a revolt against Catholic Mexico. Obviously, there was issues with Mexico. Mexico had just revolted from Spain, Catholic Spain, and the Freemasons ran Mexico, including Santa Ana, who was leading Mexico at the time, and he was a Freemason. But also, all the people who led the Texas Revolution were Freemasons. And so it was a all around not the greatest situation. However, the heroism of the Alamo is still commendable and a worthy story to keep in mind. This idea of people willing to stand their ground and die rather than surrender, rather than give up the fight. It's a very beautiful story. And the reason why I bring it up is because uh, Francisco here in his article, The Christian Imperative for Community, talks about this. He says, when St. John the Evangelist, not the baptizer, uh, speaks about the light shining in the darkness, he's referring to John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 16, the image invoked for many is that of a small candle flame holding out steadfastly in the midst of a thick, almost liquid darkness. The darkness certainly seems oppressive today. If we are not battling ideologies of victimhood and violence, we are dealing with the erasure of all signs of Jesus Christ at every level of society. Now, I almost want to just read this section to you from, from John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing that was made. In Him was a life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I think that's very beautiful, something to keep in mind and to, as we go on with this article. It says here, if it isn't that, then we are feeling like besieged warriors on the battlements of a small Alamo-like city, beating back the tide of demonic forces of sexual perversion as they advance with the rainbow standard. 
The brief moments of respite only leave us enough time to deal with the terrible division and confusion that have arisen within the church herself. One feels the way Pippin and Gandalf must have had as they are watching the darkness of Mordor and its massive host advance on Minas Tirith. For those who understand the reference, obviously, Lord of the Rings. Well, maybe people don't know. Uh, but he goes on, <laughs> what is a faithful Catholic man or woman to do? I believe the answer lies in exactly what the church is. Ecclesia, Konoenia, the gathering of the faithful who have been called by God without a community, no Christian will be able to stand the tide or effectively carry out the church's mission of saving the world. I think this is excellent. I think this is a wonderful way to start this article because, yes, we are being besieged on every side. And there's this mentality among conservatives of uh, the prepper mentality of, I'm going to go it alone. I'm going to have everything I need, and we're going to bunker down in my house and we'll be okay. This is not the case. You will not survive. You must have community. And even in our current landscape, where we don't need necessarily right now, hopefully not ever, but maybe we'll get that to that point. But as of right now, we can still go to the grocery store. We can still buy all the things we need. But if we're being besieged by the woke mob, the only way we can stand firm is by having community, Catholic community. Because your, your kids need friends. You need friends. And who are you going to go with? Are you going to go out to the public? Are you going to go and make friends with the left? Are you going to have your children go on play dates with, with people and, who have, are raising their kids to believe in gender ideology? No. No, it's a horrible idea. So where do you find the kids that you want your children to be friends with? Well, you have to foster a Catholic community. It has to happen. There have to be those people who believe the same things as you and raise the kid, your kid, their kids the way you're raising your kids. It doesn't have to be exact, but it has to be the same values. It has to be. And this goes on to the point that if we don't, we are setting up our children and ourselves for failure. And I think it's important. So here in the article continues, 20 years ago, I was a lost soul. I was in my mid-20s, addicted to pornography, depressed and isolated. My life had become meaningless. I had reached that point because a few years prior, I had decided to separate myself from the church and find my own way. My own way was hell. I had condemned myself to slavery to my own will. Thanks be to God, when the crisis moment came, a family friend directed me to a priest who invited me to attend an eight-week catechesis program for adults. I had enough of the filth to which I had subjected myself, so I accepted the invitation. At the end of the first meeting, one of the catechists announced the kerygma, that is, the announced the good news. I had never heard such an announcement in my life. For the first time, I really understood the meaning of salvation in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I knew at a profoundly essential level that I was in need of salvation, that God loved me deeply as I was, and that his grace actually had the power to transform me into a new man. I was experiencing the enormity of living church for the first time. And I think this is the way most people come to the faith. Now, most people come to the faith by community, by people having friends and family bring you into the fold. And it's actually interesting because this is kind of the strategy of the Mormons. 
I'm not recommending doing what the Mormons do. I'm recommending, I don't recommend what they do, honestly. I think it's kind of um, deceptive. However, what they do is they kind of invite you into the community. They kind of make your friends their friends. They start presenting you the gospel message, but very, a very Protestant version of the gospel message. Uh, very strict, oh, yeah, God, you need Jesus to be saved, yada, yada, yada. And then after you've been involved in the community for a while, then take they kind the of, armor off. Yeah, take the armor off, oh, lay God. down your hair. Okay, then they kind of expose some of their more weird beliefs. And at that point, you're like, well, this is my community. These are my friends. These are my family. And then it's a kind of harder for you to leave. But I don't recommend doing that, obviously. I think we should teach the whole truth um, to people. Obviously, you give them what they can take at the time, but you're not withholding things. You're giving them to it in a systematic way and not saying, well, we're going to wait 10 years to tell you. We're just like, we'll wait until you understand the previous teaching before you go on to the next one. You can't give your newborn baby uh, a Whataburger, you know. Yeah. You got to start off with, um, with some milk. Right. right. Exactly. Start off slow. Exactly. And so, obviously, we have to do something similar. But the thing that I do think we should do is involve people in community. How many people at church come and they're looking for friends and family? They're looking for community. And they leave immediately after Mass. And they leave immediately (laughs) after Mass. I joke about that. But, you know, when we came here to Texas, that was the first thing that we we prioritize is because we had no family here. We have no friends here. We, we thought to ourselves, okay, then we have to find that perfect church community. And mm-hmm. we hopped around from church to church to church. And a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of these churches did not have that community. Yeah. And uh, we thought to ourselves, well, why? Well, I don't understand. And we started thinking, well, maybe it's us. We have to start it. And we're like, but we're, we're not even from here. But I think that's honestly what needs to happen. If your church doesn't have this, you should just propose to the priest and say, listen, after Mass, let's at the very least have donuts. Yeah. Let's have donuts together and sit in a, in a room together so that all the families can come together, all the kids can play together, all of the adults can talk about whatever. I got to tell you, some of the conversations are a little bit vapid, but, you know, <laughs> at, at the very least, you're forming friendships that uh, have eternal consequences. Well, it's interesting because um, my my friend group... It's actually really interesting. A lot of us are very interested in philosophy, so our our conversations become very, very heady very, very quickly. Because <laughs> you're Dominicans. <laughs> no, nah, I wish. <laughs> uh, most of them are not. Uh, actually, none of them are. But the we get together after Mass, and we just chat about, about philosophy, theology, the state of the church. We just chat. And it's an interesting conversation we always have because these uh, we have shared shared ideas, shared interests. And these kind of communities have to be fostered, have to be created. And it becomes difficult, and like you said, sometimes someone has to take the lead. And I think it's good because in in our community, it's fairly small. It's a small community, and it makes it easier to do large things because large things may be at most 100 people. Whereas if you're at a mega parish, if you want to have a parish-wide event— well, that's like organizing a you conference. Have, you have a committee. And you, you have, have to. Yeah. <laughs> you have to because you're, there are going to be thousands of people. Vendors and all kinds it's, of stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. You have to get people to sponsor it because you know, no one person can be like, oh, well, I'll just chip in 20 bucks. Someone else, I'll chip in 20 bucks. All right. That covers everything. Uh, we can't do that if you have a thousand people yeah. plus. And so that's a big problem. And we have too large of communities. Our, our communities are so large that we don't know our community. And so it's a good thing to have smaller communities. Not everyone can have this. So maybe the answer is you have community with the masks you go to. 
and the the scheduled mass you go to, you say, okay, well, this is the mass we go to, and we're going to continue going, and we're going to foster friendships and family in this segment. So you, now you have created a smaller community, a sub-community. And I think that's something that we should try to do. Now we can go expand this further because uh, we have, like, for instance, we have a hamburger Sunday once a month where the men of the parish volunteer to, to flip burgers. And they cook burgers and they invite people over and everybody gets together. And they have burgers, fries, and hot dogs. And they ask for an at-will donation. And they, that's how they sponsor it. That's how they take care of it. And this is good. Because it fosters people to stay after church, gives them an excuse to stay after church. And it encourages people to have seats, and so there's only a limited amount of seats, so you're forced to sit down with some people you may not know. And you're actually able to foster community. And Father comes out, and he stays and eats with the people. And I think this is good. We need that kind of community. Because outside of that, of that little sanctuary, there are people who are crazy, who are trying to encourage evil within us. And we have to fight against it. And the only way we can is not to have some kind of Benedict option where we refuse to go out into the world, but there has to be a retreat. There has to be a place where you can be safe. Otherwise, you can't go out. If there's no fort, where are you going to be battling from? You're going to be surrounded on every side and attacked from every side. But you have to have a fort. You have to have a place of defense. And that defense is your community. So we have to foster that. We have to create that. And if you don't have one, then maybe you're the one that's being called to do it. Maybe Amen. it is your job. Aitna over on YouTube, one of our dear listeners says, iron sharpens iron. Amen, Aitna. That is so true. Amen. So we have to, yeah, exactly, which is why we have to have, one, we have to become iron, first of all, meaning how do we do that? Virtue. We have to become virtuous. And then you foster, maybe we would do a show on the four loves by C.S. Lewis because he talks about this with friendship. He says, friendship is a form of love that is lost today. In friendship, it was understood that it would be two virtuous people seeking the same goal. And they become more virtuous by their friendship. And you think about all the different saints, all the different saints who were friends with each other. And they wrote to each other, wrote letters to each other. And the modern world will see that friendship and they're like, oh, see, they were gay. <laughs> and it's like, no, they were not. They loved each other because they were real friends. They had virtue. And they and people hate that. They hate that and they want to sexualize everything. Normalize loving your bros. Yeah. Normalize loving your bros. Normalize being virtuous and helping helping your brothers be virtuous. And speaking of virtue, the most virtuous thing you could do right now is call in 877-757-9424 to play Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show. That number, 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. We're giving away, honestly, the coolest prize I've ever seen this week or this year, and you're going to want to win it. So 877-757-9424. Call now. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Ever feel like life's just too busy and too much? There's constant noise, social life, traffic, work, paying bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. See, God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner, a very amazing opportunity this week. Uh, probably one of the coolest prizes we have ever given away. But before I tell you what the prize is, I got to tell you what you're listening to. You're listening to Fear and Trimming. We're a Catholic trivia game show where we ask, we have three Catholic trivia questions. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, you don't have to know the answers at all. You don't need to know anything. And because I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. And he's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? The prize this week has been generously donated by our friends Nick and Nelia. They just recently followed in the glorious footsteps of our Lord in the Holy Land. And they brought back a lot of amazing goodies. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can win these things. Among these, a cashmere scarf, holy water from the River Jordan, and a silver Jerusalem cross, among other things. This is probably the best CDT prize that we have ever given out. Please keep them in your prayers. Thank you, Nick and Nelia, for your generosity. Now, just a little little note here. If you didn't make it today, if you called today and you had some technical difficulties, call in tomorrow you're going to have the same amount of chances to win. Amen, amen, for sure, because if you don't get in today, there is more opportunities all week, and I have to say, you're going to want to write this number down because this is one of the coolest prizes ever, 877-757-9424. Make sure you put that number in your speed dial because you're going to want to be the first caller because this is one of the coolest prizes I've ever seen. I kind of want to win the prize, to be honest. Uh, Nick and Nilly were generous enough to uh, to give me a little cross they got at the uh, at, from Israel as a nice. gift, as souvenir, and I'm very grateful. But I'm I'm like, can I give away the cross as a prize and, and keep the <laughs> keep the prize as a gift? Uh, they said no. They were like, no, no, can't do that. So unfortunately, I can't win it, but you could win it. So make sure you keep that number down. And if you want, you can always go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt 
and make sure that you get the phone number listed there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But joining us right now is Annabelle. Good morning, Annabelle. Good morning, Andy. Annabelle, where are you calling from? Frisco, Texas. Frisco, Frisco. Texas. That's the second Frisco, Texas caller we've had in a while. Now, um, Annabelle, the what church do you go to? Saint Francis of Assisi. Saint Francis nice. of Assisi, a great saint, a wonderful saint. He was uh, not a Dominican, unfortunately, but <laughs> we won't hold it against him. The Franciscans are cool too, I guess. Is it run by Franciscans yes. or is it Dawson Church? Is the Austin Church okay? Very good, very good. Well, uh, the uh, where are you off to this morning? Well, actually, I'm getting ready to go to church. Hey, very good. Oh, praise praise to God. God. Well, when you're there, uh, if you would offer a uh, three Hail Marys for the CDT team, we would be very grateful. I will. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, I'm sure that you're familiar. You sound like a veteran listener. Are you uh, familiar with the game? Yes. Perfect. Yes, Perfect. Then you know the rules and you know Rudy could be a little tricky, so you got to keep <laughs> your ears tuned and then try to identify the trickiness of Rudy. Are you ready to play? See? Si? Oh, no. No? <laughs> okay. Annabelle, well, I think she's ready. I think I would say she's I'm ready. I'm going to take that as a, as a yes that she's ready. <laughs> All right, Rudy. Are her, you ready? Her head is in the game. She couldn't answer. Yes, I am ready. You're ready. All right. Then I am glad that you are ready. Um, let's see. Do we uh, have music to play, or is that uh, not working today? There, there we, we go. go. There's the music. Question number one for you, Rudy. Okay. The Play question on, on the board is, what is the church's dedication for the month of December? I feel uh, like we've done this one. Okay. What is the church's dedication for the month of December? Well, what happens in December? Obviously, it's the birth of our Lord. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So that stands to reason. It stands to reason. That the answer is uh-huh. the Holy Child or the Infant Jesus. Oh. That's the month of December. Interesting. I, I suppose that makes sense. You're celebrating the birth of our Lord, talking about the Infant Jesus. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Then right? I'm, I'm I mean, following the, the, right? that, that tracks. That yeah. tracks. I'm following with your logic here. But the real question is, what does Annabelle think? <laughs> Fifteen seconds on the clock, Annabelle. The question on the board is, what is the church's dedication for the month of December? If you're a veteran listener, then you may actually already know the answer to this question. Rudy seems to think that it's the infant Jesus is what we are meditating on during the month of December. Uh, What say you, Annabelle? Is he right or is he wrong? And what say you? Well, you know, that is true about the... um the birth, but it's also a blessed mother, so I'm going to have a conjunction here. I need help. <laughs> well, um, we, uh, are, are you going to... I don't know. Is it yes? Are you going to go with yes? Is that your going to be your answer? Yeah. Yeah, she says yes. That Annabelle, is correct. You're so wise. Way to go, I was Annabelle. waiting on bated breath. There. I know, me too. I was like biting my, my, <laughs> biting my nails. like, is she going to get it? Is she going to get it? Uh, but it was correct, Annabelle. See, even if you don't know the answers, there's a 50-50 chance, even if you just guess. But Annabelle didn't even guess. She knew it. I can feel it in my bones that she knew the answer. Didn't even need to guess. Annabelle, are you ready for question number two? 
I am. You are perfect, and let's jump into it. Question number two, Rudy. Are you ready? I am ready. This question. Whew. This my this. Don't become a heretic, Rudy. Be oh, careful. Okay. Be careful. The question is: Does Mary receive equal or higher veneration than the saints? Does she receive equal or higher veneration? Well, at the very least, equal. But she does receive higher veneration than the saints. Oh. She does. Because she, does. Okay. she was the mother of God. That is a pretty good reason. Yeah. As far as reasons go, like, if someone was going to honor me, it wouldn't be for being the mother of God. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. So I would understand that if someone was the mother of God, they they should be honored. It yeah. makes sense. It stands to reason. Uh, one might say, it's, is it because she's the uh, Gibby Ra? The Gibby Ra. Interesting. A wise the man queen once mother, said that. Yeah. The queen mother. Okay. At 7-Eleven. At 7-Eleven. I did hear that one time. <laughs> All right, Annabelle. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, does Mary receive equal or higher veneration than the saints? Rudy seems to think uh, higher. She is the Gibby Ra, the queen mother, the mother of God. Therefore, duh. What say you, Annabelle from Frisco, Texas? I agree. She agrees. She says yes. That is correct. That is correct. Way to go, Annabelle. That is, in fact, correct. She does receive higher veneration, which is the technical term is hyperdulia. Mm-hmm. The the veneration give to our, given to our later is hyperdulia. The veneration to the angels and the saints is dulia. And the veneration given to God is latria, which is the worship given alone. to God alone. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You're doing great, Annabelle. I didn't need to tell you that. I could have just asked you and you would have told me those three things, right? Oh, sure. Sure, exactly. We're just like, I, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> I'm sure she knew that already. I didn't need to tell her. She could have told us. Annabelle, you ready for number three? I am. All right, let's do it. Question number three. The question on the board. Which grace is destroyed with mortal sin? Not broken or chipped or lessened. The question is, destroyed by mortal sin. Oh, are you asking me, Adrian? Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh. I forgot to address you. Uh, Dang. Yeah. Uh, Rudy. Oh, that's right. Well, that actually is actual grace. Actual grace. Actually? Actual grace. Actually, actually? the correct answer is, there you go. Actual grace. Actual grace is what Which inspires with. us to act according to God's will. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, That seems to make sense. I mean, you're mortally sitting. Yeah. Actual grace, you're not able to... Okay, I'm following. I'm following. Your intellect is darkened. Yeah, your will is weakened. Uh, It makes sense. It makes sense. I'm following. I'm tracking what you're putting down. Picking up what you're putting down, as one might say. Mm. All right, Annabelle. The question is... Are you picking up what he's putting down? Is he going to be tricky or is he not being tricky? 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, which grace is destroyed with mortal sin? Rudy seems to think that it's actual grace. Uh, What say you, Annabelle, from Frisco, Texas? Uh, I disagree. You disagree? It's It's sanctifying grace, she says. Well, 
Let's see if you're right. That is, in fact, correct. Annabelle. You are, correct, you are a genius. Three. That's amazing. I could not trick her there. Ah, you thought you were going to get her. I, uh, you know, you would imagine that actual grace gets destroyed, too, because of the way that people live after that. You know, you live in constant mortal sin. That might happen. But no, it's actually sanctifying grace. You yeah. lose your, your merit to be in eternal bliss with God. Amen. So, yeah, you uh, if you die in mortal sin, you go to hell. You have to go to confession and be brought back into sanctifying grace. Though actual grace is not get taken away mm-hmm. because it is actual grace. That brings you back. Which brings you back. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's what brings we you to confession. We are so back. And they, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, get it, you step out of the confession, you just slap your hands together, you're like... We're so back. We are so back. All righty, Annabelle. God bless you. You did amazing. How do you feel? I feel great. Amen. Amen. All right, Annabelle, I'm going to put you on hold. Stay on the line so we can get your contact. All right. All right. Putting you on hold. Don't go anywhere. We are going to go to the after show now. So if you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you hop on to YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter. Look up Catholic Drive Time on any of the platforms, and we are streaming there. We'd love to have you. But if not, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you, hopefully, in the after show. But if not, right here on your local Catholic radio station. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. And welcome back to the After Show. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Monday of the 16th week in Ordinary Time, the Memorial of St. Charbel. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who called the priest St. Charbel Macleuf to the solitary combat of the desert and imbued him with all manner of devotion, Grant us, we pray, that being made imitators of the Lord's passion, we may merit to be co-heirs of his kingdom, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Exodus. When it was reported to the king of Egypt that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants changed their minds about them. They exclaimed, What have we done? Why have we released Israel from our service? So Pharaoh made his chariots ready and mustered his soldiers, six hundred first-class chariots and all other chariots of Egypt, with warriors on them all. So obstinate had the Lord made Pharaoh that he pursued the children of Israel. Even while they were marching away in triumph, the Egyptians then pursued them, Pharaoh's whole army, his horses, chariots, and charioteers caught up with them as they lay encamped by the sea at Pi-Hanaroth in front of Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh was already near when the children of Israel looked up and saw the Egyptians were on the march in pursuit of them. In great fright, they cried out to the Lord, and they complained to Moses, Were there no burial places in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to the desert to die? Why did you do this to us? Why did you bring us out to Egypt? Did we not tell you this is Egypt when we said, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Far better for us to be slaves of the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But Moses answered the people, Fear not, stand your ground, and you will see the victory the Lord will win for you today. These Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And you, lift up your staff with your hand outstretched over the sea. Split the sea in two, that the children of Israel might pass through it on dry land. But I will make the Egyptians so obstinate that they will go in after them. Then I will receive glory through Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and charioteers. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, 
when I receive glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and charioteers. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Let us sing to the Lord, he has covered himself in glory. Let us sing to the Lord, he has covered himself in glory. I will sing to the Lord, for he is gloriously triumphant. Horse and chariot he has cast into the sea. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and he has been my Savior. He is my God, I praise him. The God of my Father, I extol him. Let us sing Sing to to the Lord, Lord. he has has covered covered himself in glory. The Lord is a warrior, Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he hurled into the sea. The elite of his officers were submerged in the Red Sea. Let us us sing sing to to the Lord, Lord. he has has covered covered himself in glory. The floodwaters covered them, they sank into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, magnificent in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has shattered the enemy. Let Let us us sing sing to to the the Lord, Lord. he has has covered covered himself in glory. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He said to them in reply, An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. At the judgment the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and there is something greater than Jonah here. At the judgment the Queen of the South will arise with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It is an evil generation that seeks a sign. Not, It's not a bad thing to ask God for a sign. Let's get that straight right off the bat. It's actually a good thing. But the evil intention comes from wanting God to change his sign. Most typified in the words of the Pharisees who said, if you are truly the Son of God, come down from the cross. Show us this sign, an evil and wicked sign. This is the voice of the devil. However, you know, and some of us it's easy to kind of demonize that voice and say, well, some people, if, if, if you're really God, cure me of cancer or make it so that my, my son doesn't die or some tragedy doesn't happen. And, you know, obviously that's not where we want to go, but I would like to suggest something a little bit more subtle, not so extreme, because I think many of us 
look for a sign in a different way that we might realize is not actually pleasing to God. And for this, I'd refer to the first reading. The battle belongs to God. What this experience of being liberated from Egypt is everyone being liberated from their fallen nature. And the, many times we want to ask the sign of, remove this temptation from me, God. Remove this struggle from me, O oh God. And it's usually done out of fear. Remove the Egyptians. Get them, get them out of here. We shouldn't be chased by the Egyptians. We shouldn't be changed, chased by this lower nature, which seems a lot more powerful. And God says, be still. Stop your fear and trust in God. The problem is not that we don't, you know, we, we like being tempted, especially with sins of carnality. And we pray, lead us not into temptation to ask God to help us hate temptation. The problem isn't, you know, the, the main problem is that we permit and allow. There's a part of our will that wants to play with the temptation, that wants to still engage in it. And we haven't embraced a version of ourself that is holy. We still have a version of ourself that we allow and give permission to that's living under the lie of sin that's living under the slavery of Egypt. And that has to happen in your mind. You have to ask God the Father to plant in you different expectations of who you are and who you're called to be, that you are called to be a saint, canonizable, capital S, saint on your death. And for that, you have to embrace a life without any sin. And that hasn't happened yet because you still allow yourself, you have the power to call on a superior air force, to call in an airstrike. But you don't. That's the problem. And for God to take that decision away from you would not actually heal you. What needs to be healed is your freedom. You have to have the, your freedom to be healed. You have to make the decision yourself. And so it's not fair for you to ask God to say, Oh, take away from me this struggle. Take away from this. You have to face that struggle, but you have to trust God. Be still. Stop your fearing. Stop your, you know making problems for yourself and pray that prayer authentically lead us not to temptation a couple years ago there was some controversy like the pope talking about that phrase like god doesn't tempt us that's that's not at all what what that phrase it means god we say lead us not into temptation because we got ourselves into this mess please help us get out of it is basically what we're saying we have allowed ourselves to be tempted help us to hate the temptation that we have become entrenched in that we have permitted, that we have somehow in some way allowed to happen. And when we pray that prayer, and when we turn to God, the only sign we need is the holy cross of the Savior. The other sign is the sign and signifier himself, the most holy Eucharist, which is the sign that contains the signifier. This is the only sign you need. You need the Eucharist, you need the cross. Cling to the Eucharist, cling to the cross, Ask our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph to free you, to free you from the temptation, especially the part of you that likes to be tempted. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth with the holiness of the Redeemer. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church in moral courage and grace and peace, we pray to the Lord. 
Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders that unlike the Pharaoh of old, that they may not obstruct God's holy will and his natural law working in every human heart. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we may have the generosity to respond to Jesus in his disguise of human misery. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life and the resanctification of holy matrimony. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Marys, we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, so weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water. Thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in Him. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive, O Lord, we pray, the offerings made for the salvation of your people, so that through the intercession of St. Charbel we may flee the enticements of sin and draw near to the company of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you are praised in the company of your saints, and in crowning their merits you crown your own gifts. By their way of life you offer us an example. By communion with them you give us companionship, by their intercession, sure support, so that encouraged by so great a cloud of witnesses, we may run as victors in the race before us and win with them the imperishable crown of glory through Christ our Lord. And so with the angels and archangels, with the great multitude of the saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, 
Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelia terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, him and with him and in him, O oh God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours for ever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati. Audemus dicere. Pater noster, qui et in sanctifice tuum nomen tuum. Adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cedo et in terra, 
Panem nostrum quote de hanum, ta nobis hodie, et emiten nobis emita nostra, secudet nos emitimus, debitoribus nostris, ad ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos ama alo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am not worthy that you should, should enter, enter under, under my, under my roof, roof, but only but say the word, and my soul shall, shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. Blessed are they who dwell in your house forever singing your praise. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament with love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more. 
But Mary's sinless heart With which to love the dearest King Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing Sweet sacrament, we thee adore Oh, make us love thee more and more Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. Grant our request, we pray, O Lord our God, that defended by the protection of St. Charbon, we may live by this sacrament of your wisdom in serenity and moderation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. To Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, Victor, Christ Jesus, Ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. Thy reign extend, O King benign, to every land and nation. For in thy kingdom, Lord divine, alone we find salvation. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ Jesus, ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord 
from hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Dina Paduska from St. Elizabeth Anseen Catholic School. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 